Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Dr. Shirag Shamasian. Dr. Shamasian is the founder of the Shamasian Academic Consulting Group and one of the world's foremost experts on medical school, grad school, and college admissions. Dr. Shamasian and his team have helped thousands of students overcome obstacles and get into the schools of their dreams for nearly 20 years thanks to a systematic approach. His expertise has been featured in the Washington Post, Business, uh, business Insider, and many, many more. So I'm so happy to have him on the show today. We're going to have a very interesting discussion, not only about what it takes to get into college these days, but also some really interesting lessons that we can teach our kids who are newly going into school and how to get the most out of it. So Dr. Shirag, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. So I'm really interested about this, uh, about this backstory. Right about how you got into this, right? Because uh, getting into uh, getting into top tier schools is mm-hmm. not easy, right? First of all, it's not easy, right? It's very competitive here in the U.S., but also there is a lot of misinformation out there, right? Especially for you know parents that may you know maybe they're new immigrants to this country, or maybe they just don't know how to you know understand what it takes you know, to do a good essay and to fill out mm-hmm. the paperwork correctly and all that, you know, so that's where you come in. So there's definitely a void that uh, needed to be filled. Can you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So you, you hit it on the head um, about there being, you know, tons of misinformation about this process and, um, you know, just people not having a lot of knowledge to begin with and not even knowing where to go. And and that's actually very similar to my experience. So my parents are immigrants to this country. Uh, They came over from Lebanon, we're ethnic Armenians. And I remember, um, you know, they came, or when we were growing up, my brother and I, they always preached to us, hey, you know, go to a great school, get a good job, you know, good salary, good benefits, and and take it from there, and then you'll be fine. And I think to them, that was, you know, it was, they were basically seeking security, right? Something they didn't necessarily have in their home country uh, before they immigrated. And so they wanted that for us. And, and for us, they saw that as, you know, education and a great job was the ticket for stability uh, here in the United States. And they preached it, and they preached it, and they preached it. And I went to an Armenian school, meaning, there, all the students were Armenian, uh, all the teachers, well, not all the teachers, but you know, 80 plus percent of the teachers were Armenian. Most of them were immigrants to the States. Uh, and so when it came time to apply to college, I was like, cool mom, cool dad, like, how do I do this? They're like, uh, I don't know, we didn't, we didn't, you know, 
go to school here um or yeah so we didn't plan months. for this <laughs> yeah like well, you're asking too many questions kind of thing and so then when i turned to a college counselor at school also you know there was a lot of okay well if you want to go to schools here in the la area you know where i grew up in los angeles if you want to go to schools in the LA area, here are some of the ones that you might be interested in. Here are the requirements for them. Here's the application portal. Good luck. But no one was talking about this in ninth, 10th, 11th grade. No one, you know, was an expert on helping students develop their own essays and so on. So if you had different aspirations, like let's say you want to go to a school outside the LA area or in a certain uh, tier, uh, you know, you're kind of on your own. And so I was one of those people and I said, okay, I have to figure this out on my own. And so I read everything I could. I, I applied successfully, ended up going to Cornell. And along the way, people were just asking for a lot of help. You know, they're like, hey, you know, I've, I've actually kind of had similar dreams. Is this something that you can help me with? And then they get in, they tell their friend, tells their cousin uh, and on and on and on. As far as, you know, so I guess it was built organically out of necessity, right? So that I can achieve my my dreams with the process. In college that continued, you know, helping people get into top colleges and medical schools and so on. And I found myself, uh, and this is related to your background too, and, you know, digital marketing, where I was giving out a lot of similar advice over and over again. Not that the advice was generic and everything was always customized to the people that I was helping, but I found that foundationally, there was a lot of advice cutting across, you know, different student circumstances, so I want to share resources with people. I found years ago, there was nothing good online uh, for me to share with people. So I was like, you know, I should start just writing about this so that I can send it to my students. And, you know, earlier it was all word of mouth and things like this. And then I noticed at some point there was a shift. The person, the people who started contacting me, I had never heard of. I had no connection with. Uh, and I asked them, how, how the heck did you find me? And they said, oh, I found one of your, you know, guides online. And I was like, what? Like, who are, you know, how does that work? Because um, I don't have a tech background, uh, you know, not, I don't have a formal, you know, no formal business training or anything like that. And so I learned, oh my gosh, like the stuff that I've been writing about online is now appearing in Google. I was like, oh, I, I didn't know how Google, you know, makes those decisions on what to promote, um, you know, on their first page and stuff. And so I was like, okay, SEO is a thing. And I should probably study this rather than leave it to chance and hope for the best. And so started getting much more sophisticated with that, you know, improving that. And then also, you know, improving uh, over time our ability to do video and growing from there. But but to go back to the genesis of, of the business, um, it was really, like I said, it's not something that I set out to do from the beginning. I just want to help people achieve their dreams uh, with their education and their career and, um, you know, I pursued it for myself and, and it sort of ballooned from there. I, I often joke that, you know, I've never met a, like an eight-year-old um, who, when you ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? No one tells me, I want to help people get into college or medical school. It's not like a dream that youngsters typically have. Um, it's not like, you know, joining the NBA or, or being an NFL player or something like that, but, but rather something that I just developed a, a massive passion for over time um, after pursuing it for myself. You know, that's such an interesting backstory because basically, you know, you go into school and you start out thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. Or I'm going to be a, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be a lawyer or what have you. Yeah. And then, you know, like all these other factors start to coalesce into something that, that make it that so much easier for you to serve a distinct group of people who maybe have had, you know, a very similar experience. And basically what that does is that it transforms yourself. You know, you become that leader, you become that person who can, who can make a greater impact than probably what you originally studied. Yeah. 
Exactly. And um, you, re- you don't realize along the way how much you're learning. Uh, you're just kind of like, let me get through this thing. And then, you know, of course, the issues that you're having or that you had before are issues that thousands of others, millions of others are going to experience. And so over time, you know, when you study things for yourself and then help, uh, you know, a good chunk of other people, you notice all the patterns, you basically come across every possible scenario and your expertise um, develops uh, over time. I love it. I love that backstory. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thanks. I want to talk a little bit more about about some of the, not so much the mechanics of what it takes to get into a top tier school, mm-hmm. but a little bit more about the, about the psychology of what we need to be teaching our kids on how to, you know, on how to apply, how to lose gracefully, how to then succeed once they get in. You know, all of these are like really big things. Like I, uh, my daughter is a first year at, uh, first year at Florida State. She got in full scholarship, full ride. Everything's great. Congrats. Now yeah. I, thank you. And now I have a nephew, you know, who's a senior in high school and he's, you know, got all that uh, senior angst of what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And how can I possibly get into all these schools? Sure. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your one big tip, which talks about using failure as a learning opportunity in order to really, you know, create the foundation for your success. And um, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder, but, you know, like you really do have a good, you you know, like a a few good examples of how that works and why that's important. Uh, Can we talk a little bit about your one big tip and why and why it plays so key into how you console not only parents, but also students when they want to get into these top tier schools? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it's really interesting. uh, You know, we're taught in school, especially if you're a very high achieving student and you have parents who have high expectations academically and otherwise, uh, failure is so frowned upon. It's so, so frowned upon. People do anything to avoid failure. And I don't mean failure like getting F on a test, right? So for students who get straight A's, a B plus is considered a failure. Heck, an A minus might even be considered a failure. Um, You know, if you don't get access to a certain extracurricular opportunity, failure. Um, If you don't get into a specific college, failure. So we're taught to avoid failure so much and do everything we can to avoid it that so many high achievers don't experience it um, you know, very early on, um, or at least through their education. And so they've set themselves up for a very precarious, you know, situation when they apply to colleges. It's funny though, because when we're kids, when we're really, really little, we fail all the time. You know, I'm the parent of a three-year-old. My child fails all the time. He trips, he uses incorrect grammar, Uh, He does all of these things that we teach and we correct and we find cute and we know that it's going to get better. We use it as a learning opportunity. But once our students get into grade school and when they're applying to college, it's like, oh, my goodness, God forbid that they ever experience another failure or encounter a difficulty. And a lot of parents, I think, shield, try to shield and protect their kids. And I get it. And I get wanting to protect and promote your children. But at the same time, if they don't experience, you know, failure or other hardships and all this kind of stuff, they're not going to develop any sort of resilience when inevitably in their life, they're going to, you know, encounter some challenge. And this is the case with college admissions, because you'd be surprised relative to how difficult it is. And parents and students are aware intellectually how difficult it is. They don't actually believe it can happen to them. 
let me tell you, let me give you some examples of what I mean. So in, in recent years, like top five college admissions, the acceptance rate for most of the top schools is below 10%. Some are even below 5%. And you, you know, you have families that are like, yeah, I know, I know it's really hard these days. I know the acceptance rates, but you know, I'm pretty sure my kid will get it. It's like, if I told you the acceptance rate for a school is 4%, yeah, it's good to feel optimistic, but you can't put all your eggs in that one basket and be shocked if it didn't work out, right? You know, it's if almost I, like, I'm sure my kid's going to win the lottery. Yeah. If I told you today, Jeff, 4% chance you're going to eat dinner tonight. You're going to be like, I'll bet my life savings that I'm going to eat dinner tonight. You're going to say, oh no, like there's a 96% chance I don't. But I think when we're so emotionally invested in something and we haven't envisioned or imagined the possibility of it not working exactly the way we want, well, then you're setting yourself up. Like I said, you're in a precarious spot, right? Because what if it doesn't? And this leads to an issue where it's like, well, I only want to attend the college if it's in the top 10 or in the top 20 or whatever the case might be. And what ends up happening is sometimes people build a school list that is overly competitive. They might also be so worried about failure that they try to play it safe with their essays. So they write about topics that are generic or they write about it in a generic way. And then when um, essentially they're trying to, to not swing for the fences in any way, because, well, we don't want to screw it up. We work really hard in high school or, or another example is, you know, when people panic, uh, they might edit essays until the last minute, they might get, uh, you know, feedback from parents, teachers, whatever parents might insert themselves. And all of a sudden they reduce the student's voice in the essay and they lead to a very generic response. And so when people don't, allow themselves to just be, you know, sit with the discomfort and to say, look, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I've, I've studied this stuff. I recognize, you know, while I'm going to remain optimistic, I need to plan for other possible eventualities. They essentially panic. They make wrong decisions. And then, you know, they say, I knew this was going to happen. This is why I intervened. This is why I changed everything. This is why I only applied to all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when people are open to and comfortable with the idea that they're going to fail at some point, they're more comfortable taking, you know, rolling the dice on certain things, taking bigger swings and all this kind of stuff. It's funny because a lot of us that, you know, avoid failure, when we read, you know, business magazines or see in the news, we always applaud, you know, business leaders or community leaders who are open to failure, right? And I'm sure if you, if you ask Jeff Bezos or, you know, any of these, you know, pioneers, or, you know, Thomas Edison, who's celebrated for, you know, inventing the light bulb and all these other different things. We, we praise them for their persistence, you know, how many times they fell and they got up and how it eventually led to this success or the other. But when it's us, we don't want to fall to get up. We just want to stay up the whole time. But what makes us think that we're, you know, we're immune to these kinds of situations? We're not. And so you have to allow it to happen because that's also going to show you where you might have struggled and what you need to do differently the next time. You're not going to build that muscle unless you actually experience it. And this has happened in my own life. Uh, certainly in, you know, in the organization, there are things that we tried and didn't work out and we have to tweak. And that happens constantly. For me, it's a fact of life. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean I like it. It just has to be something that we develop comfort with. 
And I think that college admissions is a perfect example of, you know, an opportunity. Look, I hope that everyone gets into all the schools they apply to. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm trying to say. Hey, you're not going to get in lower your expectation. That's not what I'm saying. But plan, you know, have contingencies, plan for eventualities. Don't let your emotion and what you thought would always happen, um, you know, skew you to behave in a way that's going to hurt you potentially. And, and then if that happens, that's okay. Because let's say you're going to become a doctor. We help a lot of people get into medical school. Getting into college is one step. So if you, whether you want to, you know, you go to Florida State or UF or uh, I don't know, Emory or UVA, doesn't matter, right? You're still going to have to apply to medical school. So it's not like, I think people have, you know, vision for themselves. Of, well, first I have to get into this. And then once I get into this, I'm, I'm basically assured of this next step. Life doesn't work that way. You might go to that school and struggle. You might go to that school and have a change of heart about your career. How many of us have changed our hearts about career, even within the same field, right? Like everyone, like ha if you haven't made those changes, you've certainly thought about making a change, right? And some people, um, you know, they're convicted to do, you know, what they always set out to do, or maybe they're nervous about making a change and stick with it. But everyone thinks about, is this the right thing? Should I do it differently? Right? Every single person, even the same parents who are concerned about their, their children's path. And so this is why I'm, I'm such a huge fan of, you know, making sure that you have that experience and to grow from it rather than trying to avoid it because you're not gonna. So how do you deal with those uh, overbearing, you know, helicopter type parents that's like, oh, my kid is only applying to MIT? Like, how do yeah. you, like, how do you deal with that? How do you explain to them? Like, yeah, let's find two or three alternates. Yeah. Well, well, so the question, first of all, too, is, you know, I think that first of all, we think about oh, helicopter or tiger parents or overbearing and all that kind of stuff. I like to understand why someone feels the way they do. Like, what does this school mean to them? Right. Because we certainly have students every single year who get into, you know, Ivy League programs and Stanford and places like this. But the thing is, we just have to plan for contingencies. Like, in every other area of their life, you know, whether if they're investing in stocks, they're not just putting all their money on one stock and hoping for the best. No, they're they're hedging their bets. They are, you know, they're they're making sure to have a balanced portfolio and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to schools, they're like, you know, MIT or bust or Princeton or bust or whatever. And so we have to have a talk like, well, what does it mean? Okay, if they got into NY MIT, you believe what will happen? Okay, and if they don't get into MIT, you believe what will happen? And, and just really challenging those, uh, you know, those preconceptions about what, you know, how MIT is the golden ticket and everywhere else is not the golden ticket. And then talk about, well, um, you know, this is MIT's acceptance rate. Like, what are, like, what's the plan if it didn't work out? They're like, well, we're hiring you because, you know, we wanted to work. I'm like, I hear you and I share your goal. But, you know, let, let's be, you know, let's be mindful of, you know, percentages and statistics and how do we do that and so some people you know they risk and this is true of all of us whether we're buying uh you know a water filter or we're you know thinking about our kids college some of us make decisions based on information what has the best features the best stats whatever others make it on emotion uh, others make it on you know different factors and so you you know it's important to identify what somebody responds to and work with them while appealing to the thing that, you know, really what they really deal with, right? So if someone's just very data-driven, very information-based, it might be providing the right, right information and data to help support your advice. 
Um, for others, it might be digging a little bit more into the emotion of it. Well, what does this mean to you? Where is this coming from? Um, you know, why, you know, why is it important? Okay, this other school, if they got in, your concern would be what exactly? Because I've had people say, you know, you know, I don't want my kid to go to Duke. I only want Harvard, Princeton, or MIT. Well, when Duke's, a, you know, a world-class institution. And so identifying what those things are and then appealing to those feelings. You know, that's really cool that you brought up uh, some of those points. One of the things that I noticed was that, uh, so first of all, I got my bachelor's degree and my master's degree later in life. I didn't do it right okay. out of college. Right. And I did it, you know, with, you know, my kids were, you know, my kids were infants and I really had to, I really had to push through this. Mm-hmm. And when I finished my master's degree, right. Yeah. You know, I got an MBA from the university of Miami and I thought nobody could touch me. And I was like, I was just waiting for Google to call. Right. I speak three languages to a high level. I have a mountain of technical and pre-sales experience and, you know, technical speaking to corporate, all that neat stuff. I thought I would be a shoe in. Do you know what I heard? Crickets. Yep. Right. Across the board. And, you know, then I started, you know, then I started to really think like, okay, you know, like I have this shiny degree. It looks great, but also, so what, uh, when did I get it? in 2006? It's not, you know, it's now 2021. So it's, uh, it's been a while that I have, that I've had this degree. I think I can count on one hand that uh, how many people have asked me, you know, where'd you get your MBA from? Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it's like not even a topic of conversation. It almost feels like, you know, like the Rolex flex, right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, like, oh yeah, I went to UM. Okay. It's not the same as saying I went to Berkeley. Right. But still, you know, it's like, it's, I put myself through that school. I'm proud of sure. that achievement, but nobody really uh, approaches me uh, about it. And, you know, I was telling that to my kids as well. Like, like, yeah, you, you know, you should want to get into these top tier schools. Right. And great. You know, if we can afford it and you can get the scholarships and you can make all that happen. Great. But in my experience, like besides your first one or two jobs, nobody asks about that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. It, has that been your experience as well? Yeah. So it, it really depends on field. Right. Um, and also stage in career and education. So you're right that you're much more likely to get asked about your educational background earlier in your career, maybe first job or trying to go to grad school or grad school to residency or whatever the case might be. But over time, people don't. So, you know, if you're applying to, um, you know, resident or medical school or residency or fellowship or something like that, you're obviously going to get asked about your educational background. That's going to be factored. But your patients aren't necessarily going to ask you, right? Um, most doctors, if you talk to them that I've spoken with, you know, I, I ask how many patients have asked you where you went to school. Most days, zero to two, somewhere in there. So very, very rare. In my work, people ask me a lot. And that makes sense because I do this work and I help people get into top schools. So they want to know that I have the experience of personally getting into these schools and also where I've helped other people get into schools. So in my field, it makes sense. If you're, I don't know, if you got an MBA and you're doing a consulting job, it's going to be rare that, you know, someone's going to ask you about it. If you're trading stocks, where you went to school doesn't necessarily impact how well you trade stocks. I mean, maybe the understanding of the markets and whatnot, but actually executing trades, probably not so much. And so it depends on how impactful it is for that next, you know, for that step that you're going to take next in your education or your career. But yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff has to be 
in, you know, there has to be an intrinsic motivation. If you do it all for others, if you're a student, you're doing it for your parents. If you're a parent, you only want, you want it for your kid mostly so that you can feel like you did the right things or so that your community can say, wow, your kids, you know, this and that and the other thing. Those motive, those are very fleeting kinds of things. So at the end of the day, you have to do it because of it's going to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish and because it's going to be personally satisfying. I mean, to me, you know, going to a great school uh, for undergrad is very personally satisfying. Yes, it's nice to be able to tell people, yes, I went to an Ivy League school, especially when I'm helping their, um, you know, students with the admissions process. But at the same, but at uh, that, at the same time, that gives me far less satisfaction than just knowing, hey, like given the community I grew up in, where this wasn't a thing for you know a lot of Armenians growing up in Los Angeles, there are very few of us that have gone to certain schools. Um, that means a lot to me because it, it allows me to show others too that it's possible, and it you know helps to give me. Um, the background to to assist others well. And that's why I care about it. Um, and so everybody has to find that for themselves. I love that explanation. Thank you so much for sharing that. Can you please tell everyone where they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? Yeah, sure. Um, I encourage people to visit shamasianconsulting.com. I see you have it down there really beautifully. I know Shamasian Consulting doesn't just roll off the tongue. Uh, and really, we have resources for every aspect of the admissions process, so undergrad, med school, and so on. Uh, you can even type my last name in Google with whatever topic you're looking for, and you know, chances are pretty good that we have an associated guide. And just throughout our site, there, you know, there are contact forms to get in touch, emails, you know, forms you can fill out, and so on. And it would be a pleasure to assist. I love it, Shurak. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This has been an excellent conversation, very informative, and I really appreciate you taking the time to walk through this process with us. Yeah, this is a real treat. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.